0: Hello, welcome to another Kairos conversation. I am here today with my good friend, Dr. Adam Hensley. Adam is a fellow pastor in the Lutheran Church of Australia and currently a lecturer in Old Testament at Australian Lutheran College in Adelaide. So, Adam, it's good to have you here today. Thank you, Pastor Josh. Pa- Josh
1: is my pastor, so I, I am indeed. I, I feel I need to address him as such here.
0: Very good. <laughs> yes. Um, Adam, I've got you on today to talk about the Psalms. I know that some of your scholarly work has been um, in the area of the Psalms, Mm -hmm. and um, I believe you're actually writing a commentary on the Psalms. Is that that true? Yes, that's true. So I'm writing on the last third of the Psalter,
1: which is uh, Psalms 101 to 150, Mm -hmm. um, in what will be a three-volume series just on the Psalter itself, but part of the Concordia commentary series, which is the blue. The big blue. Blue Spine, ones, the yeah.
0: blue ones, yes. I've got one around here somewhere, but um, and so what psalm are you up to? Psalm 102. Okay. Yeah, so <laughs> so, I've got a while to go yet. So, so God yeah. willing, um, if the Lord doesn't return, you'll have a commentary out in the future on Psalms 101 to 150, right? That's right, yes. That's and great. my
1: doctor father is doing the first volume on this, which okay. is really exciting, uh, Dr. Timothy Seleska. So he's done
0: 101 uh, to uh, 50, uh, and that's somewhere in the editing process. Very good. Yeah. Very good. Um, So I wanted to get you on to talk about the Psalms today, and the first question that comes to mind for me is just that the Psalms have always struck me as um, being so unique in the scriptures, you know, they're just their own thing, and it Mm. seems to me that there's there's, there's a lot of books of the Bible that are stories and narratives, Mm. there's a lot of books of the Bible that are teaching and that sort of thing, but then you get these Psalms and you think, wow, this is really Mm. quite different. Um, and so, how do you think life would be different for God's people if we didn't have the book of Psalms? Well, it would be hard to imagine the New Testament without the Psalms.
1: Hmm. Uh, if you took out the book of Psalms, all the references and allusions to the Psalms in the New Testament, you'd be taking out quite a bit of it. Hmm. Uh, it's the second most alluded to or quoted book from the Old Testament in the New, yeah. and second only to Isaiah.
0: Okay. So, okay. um,
1: if we didn't have the Psalms, it would be an interesting kind of New Testament. Yeah. Certainly, the writer of the Hebrews, for instance, wouldn't be able to write most of his first chapter. Hmm. He uh, cites some six Psalms, I think, off the top of my head, uh, hmm. to uh, to establish the divinity of Christ and how he's not an inferior to
0: angels, but hmm. he is God. and And he does this by appealing to the Psalms. And you think of, um, you know, number of the sermons in the book of Acts, the apostles preaching, it seems that right. the Psalms seem to be some of their key texts. Very know? much so, yeah. yeah. Psalms like Psalm 110, which, mm-hmm. uh, you
1: know, the, the high priesthood of, of Christ and his kingship, they come together. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's prophet, priest and king, and the Psalms are where you find that pretty powerfully said. Yeah. Mm.
0: So, let's go back a step then. What are the Psalms exactly? Um, How would you describe this part of the Bible to someone who um, hasn't had a lot of contact with them before?
1: Well, um, at a basic level I'd say they're they're poetry, but of course uh, poetry isn't only found in the Psalms. You find it in various other places throughout the Old Testament, many other places. A lot of the prophetic writings are poetic in nature. And and then even in the midst of narrative, such as um, in the book of Exodus, for instance, you're reading along, and then you strike Exodus 15, and then you've got Moses' song. Mm, mm-hmm. That really is a kind of psalm. Um, mm-hmm. But within the book of psalms, we, we suddenly have a, a, a concentration of, of psalmody, um, and and yeah, they're poetic in nature, that would be the sort of the common element there, but there's also a tremendous diversity, mm-hmm. because you have psalms which effectively are, are prayers, they, they're prayers of lament, or of or even of confidence and trust that express trust. You think of Psalms like um, Psalm twenty-three that mm. express that real confidence in the face of adversity. Uh, you know, you, 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 lay, you prepare a table before me, where in the midst of my enemies. So mm. it's um, it's a confidence and a trust that's uh, in against adversity. There, um, so that's one kind of psalm you might say I mentioned before. Uh, laments, um, many many laments, especially early on in the Book of Psalms. Mm. Uh, where especially David, psalms is attributed to David, have have the psalmist, and in this case David, uh, pouring out his soul to God in, in looking mm-hmm. for help, looking to for in the midst of a crisis which is clearly unresolved. So, um, oftentimes the, the, the crisis is is there in the present, and the psalmist is crying out in the midst of that that mm-hmm. crisis. Uh, sometimes it's in the past and the psalmist is giving thanks for the deliverance mm. that God has worked uh, mm-hmm. in that. So uh, that that's a whole other category of psalms we usually call Thanksgiving psalms. Yep. Uh, if you want a good example of that, just read uh, Psalm 107, for instance. You mm-hmm. have this refrain that recurs throughout it, which is um, a refrain of thanksgiving. And it invites others to join in uh, the psalmist's thanksgiving. Mm. Um, and then there are... There are uh, Praises, uh, yep. hymns of praise, yep. um, you look especially at the end of the book of Psalms in 146 to 150 and actually we find a whole mini collection of, of praises there, They're all uh, begun if not also ended with Hallelujah, which mm-hmm. means uh, praise Yahweh, praise Yah, the, praise the Lord, uh, but it's actually an imperative Mm-hmm. So it is instructing and urging people to, to join in the praise of, of Yahweh, of, mm. of the Lord. Um, so that, that, that's, that's a, a liturgical term then that, that's utilized again and again in the Psalms and of course in our own liturgies and yeah. worship. So there, there are all sorts of Psalms that can be distinguished, therefore, in terms of their, their function, how they function, whether they function as a lament or as a thanksgiving or a, a praise hymn. Mm. Uh, but then you also get other kinds of psalms which, which teach. Um, so Psalm 78 is a great example of this. In fact, Jesus quotes it, um, or it's quoted rather in the Gospels in connection with his telling of parables. Because hmm. uh, Psalm 78 says, you know, I'll open my mouth in parables. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And the whole psalm, it's, it's actually the second longest psalm in the whole book of Psalms, uh, Psalm 72 verses long, hmm. is, a, um, is a history of, of God's people and the, the cyclical nature of that, of falling into sin and God delivering them and, and, and then they do it again, yeah. which is something we can relate to very, very powerfully, I think, as Christians. So, um, yeah, but there's, there's a psalm that, that teaches into that reality of, of mm. life as as God's people. Now, that's, um, that's uh, a number of psalms. Uh, distinguish according to their function, but you've also got psalms then that are uh, follow a particular theme. Yeah. So there are psalms that are what we call royal psalms. They are all about the kingship, and by this I mean the kingship of David, the Davidic kingship. It's a human kingship, hmm. um, and so they, they usually uh, you, you'll find there a, a, a big emphasis on. Covenantal promises that God made to David somehow reflected in the Psalm. Mm. Um, so Psalms like Psalm two or forty-five or one hundred and ten. I mentioned that before in connection with um, I think you mentioned Acts, yeah, mm, and also yeah. In, in Hebrews. Um, yeah, very big, prominent um, uh, Psalm, uh, Royal Psalm. Um, and then there are other Psalms that are uh, that w- where Torah, the instruction of God, yep. I- is the focus. Yep. Um, they're easy to remember, by the way. Psalm one. Psalm nineteen and Psalm one hundred and nineteen.
0: Okay, that's so a good those trick, three
1: yeah. are uh, are all about the Torah, the instruction of
0: God, and and how good and pleasant God's word is mm. and good for us. Yeah. And one hundred and nineteen is the long one, right? That's
1: the long one. So,
0: yes, yes. So somebody told me a story of their confirmation class or whatever, where they had to remember one of the psalms. And I think you know, they, if you're smart, you choose one seventeen. Is that yes, the one of the shortest ones? One that, yeah, hundred and nineteen pages and yeah, pages. Yeah, don't, yeah. don't pick one hundred and nineteen. One thing that struck me when you were talking about these you know these different categories or these um, different types of psalms it's, it's ama- they have this amazing um, way in which they seem to encompass the whole range of human emotions, human yes. experience. Um, I was just with someone today actually um, on a pastoral visit and they received some very bad news and they were asking about um, mm. about ministry and visiting people in these sort of situations and yeah. and, and, and what this life is like and i said well it 's it's quite interesting because I always think of St. Paul, um, you know, rejoice with those who rejoice, weep mm. with those who weep, mm. and the Psalms really give us such a wonderful tool, yes. you know, with yes. with people for this. Um, I don't know if you want to comment any further on that. Yes, well, I remember um, in my own uh, training, pastoral training, uh,
1: Dr. Kleining, who who is a really wonderful teacher of the Psalms, um, he, he would say, when it comes to pastoral care, whenever somebody asks him what book would you recommend on pastoral care? You'd say the Psalms. Hmm. And not as a, a book about pastoral care,
0: yeah.
1: but as a book that does pastoral care, right. uh, that gives us voice when we, we're struggling to find the words ourselves. Mm. And that goes not just for lament, but also for praise and yes. thanksgiving. Sometimes yes. it's hard to know, yes. well, how do I praise God? How do I thank God? And yes.
0: um, Turn to the Psalms and you'll find well, 150 examples of all yeah. these kind of things. Yeah, and it, it reminds me as well how I think um, in church history there were times when a big part of the preparation for the priesthood or the ministry in the church was memorising the psalms. And to the modern, you know, mm. person, this seems maybe a bit strange, but um, this is consistent with the sort of thing you're talking about. And it was sort of the backbone of the community life because mm. in a divine office uh, and was was
1: designed around psalmody, singing psalms mm-hmm. at different points in the day. Um, you know, where he, so, so the psalms really punctuated life in, in every aspect and. And it would be sung communally, you know. Yes. It would be they'd be read communally, and um, and yeah, really formative for uh, for for pastors, but also just for the community more broadly. Yeah.
0: Now, a couple of times you've mentioned this word um, community or communal, mm. and there's different ways people talk about it. Psalms as the prayer book of the mm. people of mm-hmm. God. You also hear people say the Psalms are a hymn book of the people right, of God. So yes. these, this poetry, um, is it, uh, are they also hymns of the people of God? How does this work? And, yeah. Yes, uh, well,
1: as, as you consider each, the
0: different Psalms,
1: um, Individually, uh, you might, might have a different answer about that. Some of them are quite clearly um, prayers in function; mm-hmm. others are quite clearly praises in function. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's probable that they were sung, right. uh, and in fact, that's been the practice um, in in the communities is to sing the psalms. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but of course, you know, you sing them, um, and that doesn't mean you're not praying them either no, if, no, if no. they have that function. So, no. uh, yeah, th- th- certainly, there's a very a real richness about. Um, the way in which the church has used the Psalms because just, and it's been inspired by the Psalmity itself. It's just yeah. itself such a, a rich book. It is really so many different things there, that, yeah. uh, themes and uh, points of connection with, with Christian
0: experience that um, yeah. it's, it's little wonder that they yeah. use so much. And so before Adam, you um, began to introduce us to some of the big themes that come up mm-hmm. in the book of Psalms. What are the other big themes that we should look out for as we read, as we pray the Psalms? Well, I think I mentioned uh,
1: particularly the kingship and the Torah, um, you know, kingship of, of David uh, mm-hmm. and the Davidic covenant. That's certainly a major theme. Uh, there's also alongside that, and at times almost indistinguishable from it, um, the kingship of God. Uh, mm-hmm. And in fact, it's interesting, because those Psalms that celebrate the kingship of God most uh, explicitly in the 90s, uh, 93, 97, and 99, um, they, they, they begin by announcing, you know, Yahweh reigns, the Lord is King, in mm. other words. Um, in the Septuagint, they're all attributed to David. Mm-hmm. And so there's a real close association between David and, um, and even those king, uh, kingship Psalms uh, mm-hmm. of Yahweh, that is kingship of Yahweh. So... Um, uh, whereas it's been a little bit popular to kind of contrast human kingship and divine kingship in Psalm scholarship. Um, I think the Psalms themselves hold these two very closely together. Yeah. We actually see this from the very beginning in Psalm two, where the nations rage against the Lord and his anointed, mm. they're a joint force and they're both, um, both clearly together. So, um. Yes, kingship is a is a big theme there, and and I'd ask the, then what kind of king, what kind of picture do we get? Uh, we actually get um, uh, the theme of a suffering king, uh, mm. especially when you look at Psalm eighty nine, um, and anyone who, who is particularly fond of Psalm eighty eight, which is mm. very, very often a favourite of people because it's it is so dark, mm. <laughs> almost depressing. Uh, it, mm. It's it's so uh, true to human experience uh, mm. when people are in the in the depths of despair. Um, but it's juxtaposed right next to Psalm 89 where we see it's actually the king who's suffering. Right. And, um, and he's suffering, what's more, the rejection of God.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so I think there it's, it's entirely appropriate to talk about the suffering servant uh, oh. in the Psalms, just as we would talk about that in Isaiah, mm-hmm. in uh, mm-hmm. chapters 52 and 53. Um, the king also, though, is one who, in doing so, identifies with us. Um, like I'm working on Psalm 102 at the moment um, mm-hmm. and it's clear there that the, 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 the psalmist who's described by the way as a poor wretch you know, at the beginning of the psalm in the title mm-hmm. he's a poor wretch as he pours out his complaint before God mm-hmm. um, but he, he identifies with, ev- with every human being who, who knows what it is to be a poor wretch mm-hmm. um, but it's juxtaposed with two Davidic psalms once more it's clear we're meant to read this as a, as, as a king Mm. a royal figure who's identifying with us in uh, his sufferings in in our sufferings mm. so it 's not suffering for suffering's sake but but that um but that the king suffers divine wrath and he stands in solidarity with the rest of us um and then is in a position also to intercede yeah. and pray for us uh, and we get that i think very clearly in in uh, in psalms like psalm eighty six and then uh, which is also attributed to David in psalm hundred two. But also then in Psalm 103, we start to get a picture of that um, as
0: God's forgiveness is addressed there. And uh, I mean, as a Christian pastor, I can see the the sort of glimmer in your eye because it sounds like you you think the Psalms are about Jesus and I can see it all drives this way. I wonder if you can comment on that a little bit more and... um, and, and how the Psalms are different for Christians. I mean, mm. these are, the, these are the, the poetry, this is the poetry and the prayers and the hymns of the Old Testament people yep. of God, yep. and yet Christians have always mm. prayed them as their own. Um, so, what difference does Jesus make to mm. the Psalms and how we use them?
1: Sure. Well, I might first uh, preface that by saying, too, that, that the book of Psalms would have been compiled in the post exilic period. So, after the exile, once the people are back in the land. That doesn't mean that psalms were written then. Um, they were written whenever they were written, you know, prior yeah. to that long time prior. Some one psalm's even attributed to Moses, Psalm yeah. ninety. So yeah. it's going back away. Right. Um, but they were certainly compiled and used as a, as a as a book from the post-exilic period onwards, which was a time of uh, messianic expectation too, where. Um, so even the Jewish community in that time was, you know, the thought of future kingship was much on the on their minds. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's not a great discontinuity there. It's really once you get to sort of um, the years AD and when Judaism and Christianity start to sort of diverge that you you might start talking about a, a, perhaps a very distinctively different yeah. use of the Psalms or at least a, a, a use that heads in a different trajectory. Mm-hmm. Um, at least I would argue that way. Mm. Um, yeah, how, how, do, how do Christians read the Psalms? Well, um, with their primary subject uh, being Christ yeah. uh, and Him having fulfilled it, um, th- this is how we pray them. This is, yeah. We pray them by virtue of the fact that Jesus prayed them. And it's interesting how, even from the cross, what does Jesus say? Um, he quotes the Psalms when he says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's quoting Psalm 22, which Mm -hmm. incidentally we use on Good Friday. Mm -hmm. Um, And because Jesus quotes the Psalms, because he prays them, and they're they're, properly speaking, his prayer book, uh, We the Body of Christ Christ. Pray them with him. Yeah. So we never pray them alone. Yeah. And I think this is one of the great comforts uh, that Christians have as we use the Psalms. We don't just use them in isolation.
0: Yeah.
1: We use them as a member of the body of Christ, and mm. um, and Christ is our head, and and uh, he 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 prays them for
0: us and with us, and yeah. we can we can pray them with that confidence. It's just it's beautiful to think about as these this as Christians, and it's you know it's one thing to feel perhaps. Uh, in despair, to feel forsaken mm. by God and to have um, words that give voice to that. It's a whole nother thing to do that in union with the Son of God Absolutely. who also has this prayer mm. on His lips and who has gone into that same suffering for us. Mm-hmm. Um, wow, it's rich. And in my yeah. own experience with people and talking about the Psalms, um, it has been this emphasis that we pray them um, in and with Jesus Himself that really has mm-hmm. made a difference for them, mm-hmm. um, even um, helping them to understand some of the more challenging psalms as well, mm. um, and and how to think about them in light of what Christ has done and suffered mm-hmm. for us as well.
1: Yeah, because um, as Hebrew says again, we, we have a high priest, or we don't have a high priest who who can't sympathize with us in our weaknesses, yeah. but we have one who has been tested in every way yet without sin. Yeah, so. Um, our high priest, of course, his chief role, or the chief role of any high priest, is to intercede, mm-hmm. to pray for. Um, and it, it's a wonderful comfort to know that, that the Son of God truly became flesh, that that God is in, in the flesh in Christ and yeah. identifies with us and prays for us. Uh, so when we pray the Psalms, uh, we, we
0: actually join our voice to His. Mm. Yeah, it's yeah. wonderful. Mm. And so this theme of um, kingship... And the kingship of God, and mm. and this being fulfilled ultimately in Christ, is one of the big themes to mm-hmm. keep our eye out mm-hmm. for in the Psalms. What else? What other oh, themes? Oh, yeah, lots of others. Yeah. I'm yeah. Glad we <laughs> return to that. Um,
1: but one of the other themes is that of the righteous, I and mean, you find um, the righteous and the wicked contrasted in the mm-hmm. Psalms. And uh, the psalm that does this most is Psalm thirty-seven, and it's you know the righteous this, the wicked that, you know, all the time. And oftentimes, I think. We come at that with a preconceived notion of what those terms refer to. We tend to think of righteous as goody two-shoes and the wicked as somebody who doesn't make the cut and and, and all of this. The goodies and the baddies. The goodies and the baddies and all of this sort of stuff. Um, But when you read the Psalms carefully, um, you recognize that what defines the righteous is where they put their hope, Mm -hmm. where they put their faith. Uh, So there's a whole group of words that go with this, words like to trust. Yep. You know, the righteous trust in God. The the righteous take refuge in God. You think about that image of a refuge of a tower, a mountain fortress, or something. Mm. What, um, God is like that for the righteous. And uh, in other words, they're not looking elsewhere for their for their refuge. They're looking mm. uh, to the one place where that is truly worthy of faith. The, mm. you know, the, the sure object of their faith, and that is, that is God. So that's what defines the righteous. And what reminds us of this further is that you think of the chief psalmist of the book of psalms david
0: mm-hmm.
1: and um and what do you read at the top of psalm 51 well you read about all his dirty laundry yeah his adultery and his uh, implied murder it's not, it's not mentioned there but it, but it, you mm. know the story it's there in the background uh this he's, he's, he's a, a rotten so-and-so he's a baddie he's yeah. a baddie yeah but he's, he's righteous. he's righteous by mm. faith mm. and the psalms teach they teach justification by faith mm-hmm. which is you know, a wonderful thing, but they because they show it how what that looks like in the prayer life of of um, God's people, mm-hmm. um, it's little wonder then that Luther described the uh, Book of Psalms as
0: like a mini Bible, you know, yes. just containing the whole yep. uh, Council of God there, really, in, in yep. one way or another. Yeah. It makes me think too about how you get these little um, Bibles they hand out around the world, oh, and yeah. you know they they have limited yeah. space, obviously, and. And I never quite understood why they would always print the New Testament mm-hmm. and the Psalms and the, Psalms, the Proverbs yeah. often. Yeah. Uh, it's like her- my little Gideons. Yeah. Right, and it's yeah. a really interesting choice. Yeah. Um, but, but there really is something quite profound going on there if you have limited pages and that's what you can do, right? No, so. That's right, yeah. And other themes? Other themes? Um,
1: well, there's the, the theme of Zion. Hmm. Um, and from this uh, we, we get our ecclesiology in the Psalms. Essentially, Zion is the place of God's... Uh, temple, is in early eras, tabernacle, the place where God dwells. And of course, um, in the first instance in the New Testament, that becomes, that's the body of Christ. That's Christ himself. He's yeah. the temple, the tabernacle. John 1 says, you know, the word of God, tabernacled among us, dwelt among yeah. us. But the word actually recalls the, the tent, the place um, where, uh, where God was present to his people. Uh, in the first instance, that's Christ. But of course, the church is the body of Christ. Now, where mm. do you find that in Israel in the Old Testament? You find it at Mount Zion, mm. and that where God's presence is celebrated. And there's a whole lot of themes that collect around this. Actually, um, and this is the place, for instance, of fellowship with God mm. for that very reason. It's also um, the place that God defends against those you know who would who would attack mm. it. Um, and it's and it's the place where all nations stream yeah. into yeah. into God's. Um, into God's presence, and, and that's a theme you find throughout the Old Testament, other places, Isaiah especially. Yeah. Um, and, of course, uh, the, the New Testament takes this up in some very concrete words, uh, ways. If you think about the the missionary journeys of Paul, for instance, you mm-hmm. know, he's apostle to the Gentiles, so he goes out, mm-hmm. um, takes the gospel out in um, and, and, and that way, and... Um, the nations are brought to christ yeah 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 so zion is another i think very prominent theme there and uh how what it, how it shows up is in such uh, psalms as the reformation favorite psalm 46 mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. god is our refuge and strength the very help in trouble and and then it moves on to you know the city of god whose dreams make it mm. glad and and what have you this is zion imagery it's it's sanctuary imagery mm-hmm. um Bit of some allusions there to the garden sanctuary in Eden as well, with the mm. streams um, watering it and so forth. Uh, but in psalms like that, and Psalm forty-eight is another Zion yep. song. And you know, this, this theme is, is found throughout.
0: Yeah. And so uh, earlier, Adam, you touched on how these psalms have been used by Christians throughout history a little bit. Mm-hmm. But can you tell us a little bit more about that? How have Christians, as communities picked up this ancient poetry, these prayers and Mm -hmm. hymns of God's people, um, and used them practically in Mm. in the church? Well, I think the first thing we might note is that it's the most
1: represented book in the lectionary, uh, whether you're using the three-year lectionary or the one-year lectionary, Mm -hmm. Uh, almost always you have a psalm. Sure. Um, you might have one or other gospel represented, but always mm. the psalms. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. Uh, so it's been a, a feature of Christian worship mm. right back through the centuries to
0: use the psalms. And it sometimes gets, uh, you get little bits of psalms in other parts of worship as well. That's and right. More representation. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Even yeah. before, you know, confession,
1: absolution, how do mm. we prepare ourselves for that? You know, our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Mm. I said, "I will confess my sins to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin." Mm. I and mean, yeah, this is out of one of the penitential psalms—psalms mm. psalms that do repentance—and mm. uh, yeah, so uh, it's very much uh, inspiring. Uh, it's, it's inspired the liturgy um, in, in many respects. Therefore, um, how how Christians have used the psalms themselves in worship contexts. So oftentimes, you know, we 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 might sing them because um, they were meant to be sung, and, and throughout history they they were sung and chanted or uh, sung in some form, Um, these days oftentimes uh, in in smaller congregations that can be a little bit harder to to arrange Um, and so maybe congregations will will speak them, read them out antiphonally, that is to say um, maybe one side reading one Mm. line and another side reading another Mm. or the pastor and the people Mm. uh, respectively. In fact the Psalms lend themselves very well to that because of a feature in Psalms or in Hebrew poetry more broadly uh, called parallelism. Where mm-hmm. you have um, each line uh sort of not repeated but echoed in some fashion, yeah. and sometimes the echo might be um, more or less synonymous, it'll say much the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, or it might even contrast and mm. sort of, but you can tell that these lines belong together somehow mm. and uh, and oftentimes uh, that, that connection is a little more intuitive than, than is easy just to sort of be able to describe in every detail and lots mm. of work has been done on on that kind of, uh, that, that feature of Hebrew poetry yep. uh, to try to unpack it and explain it um, in a more systematic way uh, and some good work too, by the way. But at the end of the day, as you read the Psalms, I think... Um, everyday readers will will recognise this to be true, just to to, to sort of see the Psalms.
0: um, As you read them, you'll read one line and then the next will kind of echo it in some way. It's very helpful though. I find it's very helpful in my own use of the Psalms is, that when, when somebody highlighted this for me, I was like, okay, that's why they say this, and then it almost sounds like the same, the same thing, but are they? Are they trying to say mm. something different? And I'm trying to work out what's the different thing, but actually, it's, it's, it's in some ways more of the same thing from a different angle. And, yes. Okay, and then it starts to, to make sense and fall into place. A that's more, right, yeah. yes. Um, and so, for an individual Christian today, let's mm-hmm. say um, somebody has never used the Psalms before mm. very much. Um, perhaps they belong to a church. Perhaps they don't. Perhaps they have opportunities to use the psalms there. Perhaps they don't. But in their own devotional life, would would you encourage people to use the psalms? Yes, yes, very
1: much. I, I'd say um, you know you, you can read through them because often times they're very short and mm. uh, and they, they're nicely broken up. You can you can just read through a psalm as a as a basis for a devotion. I yeah. certainly encourage that because in that way you you also learn to pray in every way. You know. Oftentimes, mm, I think mm. when we pray, well, when do we pray? We, we naturally want to pray when we're in strife. Yeah. <laughs> when we're in desperation, we, yeah. we turn to God. They say, um, at sea in a storm everyone's a believer, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, in the storms of life, we no. tend to cry out more naturally those times. No, atheists and foxholes
0: or whatever. No, that's, that's yeah. right, yeah, that's yeah. right.
1: Yeah. Um, but if you think about the, the catechism as it urges us to use God's name rightly in, in prayer, praise and thanksgiving, um, prayer of that petitionary kind where we ask God for help uh, or, or ask Him to supply our need, is only one of the three. There's there's praise and there's thanksgiving as well. Mm, mm. Um, well how do we do that? You, know, yep. you mentioned this earlier that, that the Psalms are, are a wonderful resource for this and mm. but by reading through the whole of the Psalms you know in a just sequential way is fine or you could pick up a, a book that like The Divine Office that, that will cycle you through psalmody in a, mm. in a, in a reasoned way. Um, you get you get to practice if you like it's not that prayer is practice but you you practice prayer yeah. um uh, in in all its forms yes. and and it teaches you to pray it's yeah. like jesus how did he teach his disciples to pray we said when you pray say and then yeah. he gave them the lord's prayer mm. um so he didn't just give them a few you know five tips to, on how to pray mm. 10 principles of prayer he actually gave them a prayer yeah. and the psalms do that for us as well and they give us the prayer book
0: of Christ, what's yeah, more. Just like we do mm. teaching kids to talk, give them the words yeah. that go along. I don't know, it might be a bit simplistic, but I've sometimes said to people, you know, with the Psalms, you really, um, it, it's like you get a double double blessing here because it's the Word of God to you, yes. and then God sort yeah. of seems to say, okay, here's the word you can say back to me as well, right? You know, as, as yeah. you grow in your faith and your life of prayer and that sort of thing. Yes. Yeah. So for you, Dr. Hensley, scholar of the Psalms, Do you have a favourite psalm, personally? I do. My favourite is Psalm one hundred and three. Okay. Yes, and the reason you didn't say
1: twenty three, like everyone? I didn't say twenty (laughs) three. No, no. I I love Psalm twenty three, but one hundred and three is my favourite. That's the one you're coming
0: up to next, working on, right? Yes, it (laughs) is. Yes, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: So why one hundred and three? You won't find uh, anything close in terms of. The uh, the announcement of forgiveness that's there. Hmm. I mean, yes, you'll find plenty of promises of forgiveness and that. Yes. But but this actually announces God's forgiving way in a sustained and, and deep way that um, that can't but strike to the heart. It's incredible. Oh. Yeah. This uh, is
0: um, and this is the east from the west. So oh far. yeah, this that's is, right. Yeah, yeah, as far as yeah. the east is from the west. Yeah. So far has He removed our sins from us. Yeah, beautiful. Pretty good news. Yeah. 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 And I've, as I've, a
1: father has compassion on his on his uh, children so God has compassion on us and he knows yeah. that we're dust and you know so yeah. again that identification with us that God knows uh, our frailty yes uh, and 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 forgives us yeah so
0: you know the better he knows us <laughs> I mean yeah. the uglier the picture one would think but no the more he forgives us mm. Mm. I'm, I'm really glad that you mentioned those brief images there as an example of what's in the Psalms and this poetic imagery because uh, I've used the, these verses from these psalms before myself with mm-hmm. other people, and and you can just see the power of it. It's one yeah. thing to say God forgives you a lot. It's another thing to yeah. say He He removes your sin from you as far as the east is from the west. Yeah. And there's just something about that that that, that gets deeper. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one thing to say yeah, no, you know you um, human beings have got a lot of problems, and um and you're not anywhere near the majesty of God. It's another thing to say you're you're dust. And it, yes. it just has a, it just has a something about that poetic. Um, vivid, imagine- mm-hmm. imaginative sort of language that is what makes the psalm so wonderful. I think. Yeah, they're, um, they're brutally honest. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> about yeah. the human
1: condition. There's, there's no, no hiding it. And
0: before God, we can't hide.
1: And that's, a, that's the other. I think beauty of the psalms is that we're encouraged to be as we are, and the psalms actually help us be as we are in some, some ways. I mean, there are some pretty brutally honest things that yeah. psalmists say from time to time. You know, asking God to break the teeth of the wicked. Yeah, uh, that's, yeah. that's that's pretty pretty strong, stuff. Pretty strong yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um. But what's a psalmist doing? And what's the psalmist encouraged to do? Yeah. Except to bring that anger, frankly. Yeah. Before God. Yeah. It's so not like you have to sort of put on your spiritual makeup and yes. get right with God and then go pray. Yeah. Now you go, you pray as you are. Yeah. Yeah. And right. and and you um you know you're before God in His presence as you are and you let Him handle it. So the Psalm, that's what the psalmist is doing when he prays that kind of prayer. He's, yeah. it's, um, he's not actually going to go out and break anybody's teeth. Uh, notice he's actually saying, no, God, look, yeah. you do this. Oh, you handle
0: this. In, in fact, maybe you're prevented from doing that. Precisely. Because, because you can hand it over to God. And uh, yeah, I've had you know, many people you know, come across these challenging bits in the psalms. Like how, how could a person you know, who, mm. who believes in God possibly say these sorts of things? And we talk about it a bit and... And I say, oh, so you've never felt like that? yeah. You've never felt like you wanted God to break someone's <laughs> teeth? And I say, well, yeah, of course we have. Right? Yeah. Terrible things happen in the world, and that's how we feel. We know that we aren't to act on it, be mm. angry but do not sin, but then what do you do with the anger? Right. And the Psalms give you this mechanism um, um, for crying out to God with this. Um, and one of the things that you mentioned before as well, which I was really glad you did, was this um, theme of thanksgiving. Mm. And you mention it in connection with the wisdom of praying all of the Psalms to sort of um, expand your own prayer life, yes. I guess, into areas you wouldn't normally mm. um, or, or you wouldn't go to as easily. This is human a, nature doesn't often want to go there, right. you know, so you kind of, you know. This, is, exact, and this yeah. is exactly my experience that there's times when there's a big problem in life mm. and all of a sudden you you are driven to prayer because what else have you got to do? You've got no resources of your mm. own. There's no easy solution around. And, and you pray, and then actually often um, something is resolved, mm. something good happens, mm. um, and then there's no follow-up in my own prayer life often. Right? Mm. It's, mm-hmm. And right through the scriptures, especially in the Psalms, this um, giving voice to thanksgiving and praise, mm. and sometimes in the same Psalm, right, you move through this from lament to, to thanksgiving and praise is something I've found so helpful, so thanks for mentioning that. Yeah. Um, so... Thank you, Adam, for being with us today on Kairos to talk about the Psalms and this wonderful, rich resource that we have as the people of God. God's blessings on your commentary. We look Thank forward you. to uh, seeing that in the future. So do I. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, God bless you. Thank you. Thanks for having me on.